Hey, welcome to the Capital City Christian Podcast and to our series study through the book of 1 John, a verse-by-verse study through this great letter written by the Apostle John. So grab a Bible, grab a notepad, and let's dive in together. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to our Tuesday study as we continue walking through the book of 1 John. Today, we find ourselves in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. We're going to spend about 20 minutes together today walking through. Hope you're having a wonderful day. So grab your Bible, grab a notepad, grab your fancy glass. Today, my fancy glass, well, I have to be honest with you. I ran out of time to go grab a fresh new beverage. So today, it's straight water in my fancy glass. But you can't go wrong with water, can you? My favorite drink. Um, We are going through a couple verses today um, that are just some beautiful, beautiful verses. But before we do, of course, we've got to get to Tuesday's uh, dad joke of the week. The dad joke of the week. Um, Here it is for you. What did the fried rice say to the shrimp? Don't walk away from me. Yes. Don't walk away from me. Love it, love it. I truly do love dad jokes. I think they are the greatest. Hey, today we are in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Some beautiful, beautiful uh, verses. We have been walking through chapter 4 as John has been encouraging us to make sure that we don't just believe everything that anybody says about God, um, that we need to make sure that we are following um, the right message and the right message uh, is really the, the person and the message that speaks about Jesus being God um, and being from God. And today, uh, the uh, Apostle John is going to move into this concept, uh, a practical concept of how we can identify who is from God and who is not and what is a tangible expression of an authentic follower of Jesus. So we're going to dive into verse 7. Let's go. Here we go. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. John starts out this way. He says, beloved, let us love one another. Again, he says, beloved, he's speaking to his spiritual children. He's saying, let us love one another. This is a present active phrase, meaning a lifestyle. Daily love is one of the common characteristics of all believers. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Apostle Paul talks about what love is. Love is patient and kind and doesn't envy and it doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. You go read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and if you want to reflect and ask yourself, am I loving the way that I'm supposed to love, just go through that list that the Apostle Paul gives in 1 Corinthians 13. That will give you years and years of homework and practice to try to love the way that we are supposed to love. And of course, love is a reoccurring theme in John's writings. It is the essence of the ethical test for John. The the, the heart of the ethical test of whether somebody is an authentic follower of Jesus is how they love. He says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. Love does not come from human philanthropy or human pity or emotion, the source of love is God. The source of love is God. We read in verse 16, 
and we know and we rely on the love God has for us, God is love. He's restating it here again, for love is from God. He who is not from God, or excuse me, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. This is John's favorite term for becoming a believer. John writes about, he relates our our following Jesus and becoming a believer to our physical birth. Um, You can remember in John chapter 3, in the Gospel of John, John writes about the story of Jesus and Nicodemus. And it's a whole conversation when Jesus tells Nicodemus, you have to be born again. You have to be born of water and spirit. It's John's favorite analogy for uh, becoming a believer. Now, the term know here, those who are, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, reflects the Hebrew sense of an ongoing intimate relationship, right? You know somebody who you're intimately connected with, somebody who you are growing in relationship with. Genesis chapter four, um, or excuse me, Jeremiah chapter one, verse three says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were were born, I set you apart. God's talking about how he has this relationship. He, He knows us. And when John says, those who love know God, we, we know we are walking in intimate fellowship with God, and it's a reoccurring theme in, in 1 John. It's, it's used over 77 times in John's writings. And so he says here, listen, you want to know if somebody's from God? You want to know if somebody's born of God? They're going to love. He says this in verse 8, the one who does not love <laughs> does not know God, for God is love. Again, lifestyle love is the truest test of knowing God. When you find a person who lives their life considering other people above themselves, you know that that person understands the love of God. And when you find people who live selfishly, who never consider anybody else, who always consider themselves before, that is a strong evidence to the fact that they don't understand or know God. John says God is love. John says God is light, right? He's very black and white. God is love, not hate. God is light, not darkness. God is spirit. One of the best ways to contrast God's love in the hearts, in the minds of people is to look at how they treat one another. And John says, you will recognize that the one who does not love doesn't know God. You're in one camp or the other. There's no in-between. He says in the first and nine, by this, the love of God was manifested in us. The love of God was manifested in us. God has clearly shown that he loves us by the sending of his one and only son to die in our place, right? Love is an action. It's not a feeling. Believers must emulate this in our everyday lives. To know God is to love as he loves with a sacrificial love. Uh, Several weeks ago, we looked at chapter three. And if you go back to chapter three, John writes, we know this in verse 16, that he, he laid down his life for us. This is how we know what love is. And we ought to lay down our lives for one another. So so, so God's love has been manifested in us. God has sent his one and only son, and he says that in verse 9, chapter 4, verse 9. By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. We might live 
through him. Then he says this in verse 10. He says, in this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins, right? In this love, God's love clearly is demonstrated in the life of Jesus. And, and John is just again saying to know Jesus is to know God. He says, not that we loved God, right? And, and the New Testament is unique among world religions. Typically, religion is mankind seeking out God, but Christianity is God seeking out fallen mankind. Not that we loved God because we didn't. We were rebellious toward God, but God sought us out. And that is the wonderful truth of Christianity. It's not our love for God, but it's God's love for us. He sought us through our sin, through our self, through our rebellion, through our pride. The glorious truth of Christianity is that God loves fallen mankind and God has initiated and maintained a life-changing contact with us. He says, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. You're gonna have to go back to one of the early weeks when we looked at uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. We actually dove into what that word propitiation means. I would encourage you to go back and listen to that um, if you haven't. And then he says this in verse 11. He says, beloved, if God so loved us, so if, which is a, a conditional word, right? Which, which is assumed to be true, right, from the, from, from, from the author's perspective. This is a literary device that John is using. If God loved us, which he's already established that God does love us, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is the second time in a few short verses that he has said this phrase. Because God loved us, we love one another. Which means that my love for you is not driven and motivated by what you do for me. My love for you is not ultimately driven and motivated by how much I like you or how much we get along or how much we don't get along, right? Think about my, think about my marriage relationship. My love for my wife is not ultimately motivated by what she does for me. My love for my wife is ultimately motivated by my love and my understanding of God's love for me, right? I love out of the overflow of my understanding that God has loved me. And that is what the world needs, doesn't it? Right, we need, we need a higher motivation to love one another because people are not enough motivation. People will fail us, people will disappoint us, and, and we may downshift into this idea that, man, that person's always going to disappoint me, so I'm not going to go out on a limb, and I'm not going to sacrifice for them, I'm not going to give my time for them, I'm not going to love them, I'm not going to be patient with them, because our love is dependent somehow on their performance or their behavior. John says there is a new paradigm shift if you are authentically a follower of Jesus and if you claim to know God. And that paradigm shift is my love for the people around me is not dependent on them. It is driven and it is sourced out of the overflow of the understanding that I have that God has loved me in such a radical way by sending Jesus as a propitiation for my sins. Man, when we can love out of the overflow of our understanding of God's love for us, it changes everything. John says, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. We ought to. We ought to. 
because of God's love for us, that should lead us to be compelled by the love of God to love one another. So let me ask you this. Are you patient with your spouse? Are you self-controlled with your kids because you recognize how much God loves you? Are you generous with your time and with your money? Do you give to people who are in need? Or is your life driven by self-service? Let me do what makes me happy. Let me make sure that I take care of myself first. You see, these are the questions really where the rubber meets the road on whether or not the fruit of our lives say that we know God and that we love God. John continues in verse 12. He says, no one has seen God at any time. No one has seen God. Um, This word kind of implies that uh, to gaze intently at something. Um, It it, it is possible that as John is talking, he's again, remember these Gnostic influencers in in these days had a lot of influence. This, This phrase, nobody has seen God or can gaze on God could maybe a little bit um, influenced by Eastern mystery religion that claimed that some type of vision of God is necessary, right? John's saying, no, no, nobody has seen God. Like we haven't had, nobody has this mystical revelation of who God is. We know Jesus came, he fully revealed to us God. There's no other revelation needed, no other mystical vision needed about God. By gazing and looking at Jesus, we know God. He says, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, if we love one another, again, conditional, if we love one another, then we understand that God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. His love is perfected in us. Loving Christians are evidences of abiding, perfected love of God. And then he says this in verse verse 13, by this we know, that we abide in him and that he is in us because he has given us his spirit. We're talking about the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. His spirit is inside of us. He goes on and he says this in verse 14. We have seen and testified that the father has sent the son to be the savior of the world. John is specifically talking about his own eyewitness testimony. We saw Jesus. We saw Jesus with our own eyes. We know that he is the savior of the world. And when he says we have seen and testify, that word seen is the same word used in verse 12 that says nobody has seen God. So he's using kind of a play on words. He's saying we don't need special revelations of God because we already gazed upon God as we spent time with Jesus and as we watched Jesus. He is the savior of the world. The fact that the Father chose to use Jesus as the means of salvation refutes the Gnostics and the false teachers that say salvation is obtained through some kind of special secret knowledge that's related to the angels, like on an angelic level. They called these angelic levels, the Gnostic teachers called them eons or realms of angelic authority between the high God and the lesser gods who formed the world. That's what they meant when they talked about salvation. But the phrase savior of the world was a title for the pagan gods. It was actually a title for Zeus himself. And and the phrase savior of the world in the Greek was actually a common title for the Roman Caesar. And so for Christians... 
Only Jesus bears this title as the Savior of the world. And John says, we have seen it and we testify that he is the Savior of the world. We're going to stop right there for today. And we're going to think about, I hope, today, the concept and the simple truth, as John writes here, that Jesus revealed to us God. Jesus revealed to us the love that God the Father has for you and for me. And when we understand the love that God has for us, the natural expression that we ought to have in our lives is that we ought to pour out with love for the people that God puts in our lives. I can't say it any better than John said it. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. I want to give you a little piece of homework, and I want you to, um, later on today, to go through 1 Corinthians 13, the list that the Apostle Paul writes when he says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. I want you to write that list out, and then I want you to ask yourself, in the relationships that you are in, are you expressing kindness and patience? Are you expressing... um, Uh, no envy in those relationships? Are you boasting in those relationships? Do you have pride in those relationships? I want you to go through and I want you to think through that list and ask yourself, am I really loving the way that God is asking me to? And like I said, that's a piece of homework that you could do every single day and you can grow in every single day. But today, let us recognize that God is love that God has sent his son into the world to be the savior of the world, to pour out an unconditional amount of love into our lives. And our response as followers of Jesus should be, we ought to love the people around us. That is the ethical evidence that we know God. I hope you have a great rest of your day. I hope you'll consider these words and be encouraged by the words of John today. Thanks for being here. Hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. And we'll pick up next week in the middle of 1 John chapter 4. We hope this content serves as a catalyst towards spiritual growth in your own life. If you want to support this podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe, rate, review, and share it. This helps create more exposure and allows us to include as many people as possible into this community. Thanks for joining us and for being a part of the Capital City Christian Podcast.